if you guys do not have a Bible, we have some Bibles in the back, so if you need one, go and grab it. If we run out, pull out your phones. But since we're reading through the Bible here, we want to encourage, actually open up the physical book. So if you don't have a Bible, we have one for you. If you don't have one at all, those Bibles are free if they're blue. So if you, don't, if you need one, we can get you one. Um, my name is Kenny. Like Joe said, I am one of the pastors here. It's really weird announcing myself like that because since I started this journey, I've been able to announce myself as like a couple different roles. I was student ministries intern. Then I came up last time I taught, I was the missions coordinator. Now it feels really weird and it's hard to get used to that. I say, hey, I'm one of the pastors here. Hi. Like, it's just... <laughs> so, yeah, I'm still getting used to that one. Um, tonight, we are going to be continuing in our series called Thicker Than Blood, Recovering a Vision of Christian Friendship. And one of the things that I've really loved about this series is it's made me reflect on my friendships um, and just how God has been good and faithful in providing friendships outside of my family and within my family. Some of my greatest friends come within my family, most of them, actually. Um, and then I've had some great relationships outside of that. I can be real deep and intimate and also call family. Um, and so it's just been really cool um, to be able to reflect on that. And so over the series, we have covered a few different things. We started in this place where um, we were talking about the questions that were asked in the LGBTQ plus series and what that actually referenced to. And we kind of came to this conclusion that we were asking truly about loneliness. Like, are we going to be alone forever if, um, or are people who identify to the LGBTQ plus community, will they be lonely forever? And one of the things that we decided we were going to kind of kick the series off with is that, uh, no, because God has a plan for that. And what it is is that we decided that marriage or even family isn't the ultimate solution to loneliness. Actually, what God has put in store is friendship and that community to fill, fill that void, and that's biblical friendship, true life-giving friendship. And so Joe talked about intimacy and how it's not just sexual. Intimacy is not just a sexual thing. And he gave a few examples of friendships that he had and how intimate they actually are and how deep friendship has the ability to go. And then Preston last week talked about how in the kingdom of God we find family, and that is through friendship, that God wants that for us. And so it's kind of taking this idea, well, if I have a family, if I have kids, if I have a nice car, if I have a dog or a cat, whatever person you are, uh, no judgment unless you have a cat. Um, and so, but that's not the truth. That is not ultimately fulfilling. God has a much greater plan to be fulfilled in the kingdom, which is in the family of God. And so I'm really excited about tonight. Um, friendship is this beautiful thing um, that we hold very dearly. Even in our context and how we view friends, we hold it very dearly. Yet, we hold it very loosely. And I know that's really weird to say, but we do hold it dearly, and it's something that we desire. Yet, we hold what friendship is very loosely. And so tonight, what I'm here to tell you is that when it comes to friendships, we are selfish. Yes, we are selfish. And I know that's hard to hear. When I came to that realization, it was hard for me to hear. And just because I'm the pastor or the one teaching up here doesn't mean I'm exempt from this reality. Because we have a way of making friendships very transactional. It's about what we can give and take from a person that we want to give in order to take 
Or we end up finding ourselves in a place where we give, 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 and then we run out of steam, and it's like, well, I don't want to be friends with that person because I'm just giving. I don't have anything to take. And that can happen as well. And so we make it actually about ourselves. And so if that makes you uncomfortable, perfect. That's my job. I want to make you uncomfortable. Um, Because that's what I felt when I came to this realization. I've been coming to this realization for years. But as I was preparing for this, the Lord really solidified how selfish I actually was in my friendships. And I bet right now you're probably thinking, Kenny, you can, you can speak for yourself. I'm, I'm not selfish in my friendships. And what I'm going to tell you, what that's also called is denial. That is 100% denial. Of like, because you're, having, you're like, no, I'm not that. There's no way. And so I have some rhetorical thoughts. And I emphasize rhetorical because when I ask if you had this thought, I don't want you to accidentally raise your hand and just expose yourself in front of your friends right now. And so, have you ever had the thought, I don't really want to hang out with that person because they're boring? Have you ever had the thought, well, he or she talks too much, so I don't really want, they, all they do is talk about themselves, I don't really want to talk to them. We don't really have anything in common, so I don't want to invite them. Or maybe you've treated people as a means to an end. Um, and I'm going to put myself a little bit on blast here. This is younger Kenny, not now Kenny. Um, in junior high, maybe beginning of high school, the tactic, if you thought a boy or girl was cute, and this is on both sides, is you would find a way to get some kind of insight to whether or not that person actually liked you back. And the, one, the first thing you would do was befriend their best friend to get that insight. So right there, that's, that's a rocky start to uh, a, a, really, a friendship you really didn't want in the first place. And so what if that doesn't work out? What if you don't, you know, start dating or anything like that? What if that doesn't work out? What happens? You stop talking to that person, and you stop talking to the person that you were interested in. That's how it worked with me. I know, shallow, I get it, but that's the point. (laughs) Um, Or what if it does work out? That's a pretty, that's not the greatest foundation of starting a friendship with somebody if you were seeking to use them to get some insight for you. And so all this to say is one way or another, we've probably acted selfishly in our friendships. And as a person on stage, like I said, I am not exempt from the selfishness. And I'm not trying to say these things to make you feel like dirt or anything like that or make you feel shameful of how you approach friendships. The goal is ultimately just to get you thinking, to get you to understand how maybe we do approach friendships. And so when I say when it comes to friendship, we are selfish, I'm speaking from a place of conviction within myself. And so the friendship I want to talk about is my wife. My best friend on this planet is my wife, 100%. But here's the thing. When I'm selfish, when I'm acting in my own interest, I can tell you right now, we are not the greatest friends that very foundational life-giving thing of our marriage, which is friendship, starts to unravel, and we start fighting. And it can get bad sometimes because we're not seeking to serve each other. We're not seeking to put ourselves aside. But when I do decide that I want to put myself aside and do the stupid laundry and the dishes um, and the one thing that I love to do for her is to sit and listen and ask her how her day is going, our friendship 
gets stronger and it builds, and we are flourishing in that because the Lord has asked us to do that for each other, to put ourselves aside. And so tonight, we're going to see a few moments between Jesus and the disciples. And if you don't have a Bible, like I said, they're back there, but if you have your phone, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 9, verse 33 through 37. And so we've, they're in ministry, they're walking on the road, and you're gonna, there's a couple different stories about this passage. I chose this one for a specific reason because of the details. Um, but they're arguing with each other about who is the greatest. Now, first, like, well, that's not really about friendship, but it's going to be. And so I will, once I find it again, oh, wrong page. All right, starting in verse 33. And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, if anyone be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. And so right off the bat, you're like, this doesn't seem like it's talking about friendship. But he's talking about relationship. He's talking about what it means to actually be in relationship with him. And we know that Jesus is seeking that friendship because of John 15. Um, And so the first thing I want us to understand in this passage is that some Jewish people, actually a lot of Jewish people, their understanding of the Messiah was this powerful figure, right? In hindsight, we can say, like, oh, yeah, Jesus was totally that dude. He was a powerful figure, but not in the way that they would see this. They thought he was a king that was coming to overthrow, demolish everybody, release them from oppression, and just be that dude, that he had power, status, and he had a lot of pull. Like, that's just kind of how Jesus was. He was that guy, but not in the way that they thought he that, he, that they thought he was going to be. And so the disciples who have been walking with Jesus are viewing him this way, right? Because they're arguing over who is the greatest, and they're viewing, so what they're actually asking when who is the greatest, like, well, who's the closest, right? Who's the MVP on Jesus' team? Like, one of us has got to be it. We've been walking with this guy. We've been talking with this guy. We've been doing ministry with this guy, We sleep and eat with them, so one of us has got to be the greatest. And they're viewing Jesus purely off his status and who he is as the Messiah. They're like, oh, it's kind of like viewing the cool kid. Like, oh, I want to be friends with the cool kid because then I might be a cool kid. Like in a very basic format. Like, and they're so they're seeing Jesus in that light of like, well, since he's the Messiah, one of us has got to be the greatest. There's got to be something in it for me. And so what they're doing is actually seeing Jesus as a means to an end. But look, look how Jesus responds. He says, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and a servant of all. And so the idea of being the last of all is like, think about being in a line and you're standing in line, you're in front of everybody. Being the last of all is understanding that you got to go to the back of the line and you see Everybody in front of you, right? You are the last of all the people in line. That's just for the sake of the example. 
being a servant to all would be like you get lunch and you like realize that the people in line can't get you your lunch and you actually give that to them instead. So being a servant to all is seeing people where they're at and meeting the needs of what that is. And so servant to all is mean putting everybody before. So let's create this picture of putting everyone before yourself. And the word servant here means to carry out the command of another. And specifically in this passage, it has a lot of meanings, but specifically in this passage, it means to command, I mean, carry out a command of another. And so, um, as we unpack it, as we go further into the New Testament, it, means, it can mean to minister, it can mean to execute commands. And so we know that when we, when we walk with Jesus, one of the commands that he has for everyone, everyone in this room, is to take the gospel to everyone. Right, the Great Commission has commissioned us out to take the gospel to everyone. He has commanded us to love God and love others. Those are his commands. And so what do those actually mean? And so we know that in this room that the gospel meets people where they are. We've heard that phrase a lot. Maybe you haven't, but the gospel meets people where they're at. And we know that because it's met each of us in this room where we are at. Regardless of the sin, regardless of the past, the gospel has influenced us, and we've been able to experience Jesus in a beautiful way because it has met us in our brokenness. And so, if we are to say that we are servants of Christ, we also need to be meeting people where they're at. We need to be receiving the children that Jesus is talking about right here. It's not just the physical child that's in this moment, but also who does God call children? That is us. That we receive children and invite them into the family. And so yet again, Jesus is redefining another reality for us, that how we approach friendship is not seeking our own self-interest. In fact, he created a common interest that all of us should have as we seek out people to be in relationship with them, and that is to help them experience who Jesus is, bring the gospel to them. And so I want to go back to those rhetorical thoughts that I gave you. What if meeting that boring person where they're at or receiving that child where they're at is understanding that maybe they really just don't know how to fun and they know how to have fun and they see you as the person that can have fun and they really desire that. What if meeting the person that talks about themselves all the time actually is just them being able to vent for the first time because maybe they're not heard. Maybe nobody listens to them. And then the person you don't have something in common with, what if they're just trying to find something in common with one person? What if they're just seeking to be invited to one thing? And so we need to put on this gospel lens and understand people differently because we need to put ourselves out of the way. Our self-interests don't matter when it comes to seeking out people for the reality that they can experience Jesus. And so as we follow Jesus, we have to rid ourselves of selfishness. As we follow Jesus, we have to rid ourselves of selfishness but replace it with selflessness. And as we do that, we will see that we will start to receive people in a different light and for different reasons, 
And God is going to grow his kingdom off of that. That is why he commissioned us out. And so, let's look at Luke 6, uh, 32. It says, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from, you, or from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind uh, to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful as your, fa- as your Father is merciful. And so when I read this passage, it started to really emphasize this idea that I talked about earlier about friendships being transactional or just relationship with people being transactional of like, oh, well, if that person's giving me love, then I'll give it back. I can take that and I can give it back. Right, it even talks about lending money and giving it and then taking it and kind of creating this transactional reality. And so I think it's just insane that like, even the Bible, when we talk about the state, we, we think it's a cultural thing that has been developed over time, but it's been a problem for a while where we treat people as something we can give and take from almost as if we're a commodity. And it further emphasizes the reality that we need to put others before ourselves. And the reason why I go to this passage is that if we can't act selfless, selflessly to people that we know, to people that we hold dear, how are we supposed to do this? How are we supposed to love our enemies? How are we supposed to love people who are not in this room or strangers to the kingdom? Because the reality is how we treat people in this room is going to overflow. How you treat your friends is going to overflow out into the rest of the world. They're going to see how you treat your peers. They're going to see how you treat your friends. And are they really, if it's, if it's coming from selfish ambition and self-interest, are they really going to want your friendship? Another thing this passage emphasizes is what makes us different. Like if we love people who love us, what makes us different, right? It creates this contrast of sins. What makes us different? And really the answer is, if we are loving others, that is the difference. If we can love people outside of our comfort zone, that is the difference. And so we need to put aside the transactional reality that we maybe have been taught in friendships. And maybe you don't do this. Great. But we need to put aside the transactional reality of friendships. And it's not about what we can give and take. And it's really not about what we, from our side of things, can take from that friend. Jesus tells us it's a a matter of what we can give that friend. And so being a friend isn't just to the people you know. You can be a friend to someone who is a stranger. Because the reality is, is every friend that you have started as a stranger. 
You knew nothing about them. And you're like, well, I grew up with them. You still didn't know much about them. Still had to become friends. And so, we have to step away from selfishness and step into selflessness. When we are being selfish, we're actually robbing people of experiencing the person of Jesus, right? If we are to do the things that Jesus has commanded us to do, one of the things is we are to carry out the gospel and bring that to them when we're acting in selfishness. We are clouding that experience. And so in order for people to experience that, to experience the person of Jesus, we have to act in selflessness and put ourselves aside for the sake of others. So whether or not we approach friendships selfless or selfish has a kingdom impact. It's not just a matter of I'm getting these deep relationships and making friends. It's you are building the kingdom as you are making friends. How we do that, how it comes off, has a kingdom impact. And we want people to experience Jesus the way we have. We want people to experience the family of God the way that we have. And how we approach friendship should come from that. That Jesus' selfless act of dying on the cross for you and I and then calling us friends should ignite a desire in us to do the same for other people and put ourselves aside. And so tonight... I just want to close with reminding us what selflessness actually is, and that will be in John 15, verse 12 through 17. And it says this, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I, but I choose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide. And so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another." And so here's what selflessness is. Selflessness is a self-sacrificial love that is putting others, both strangers and people we know, before ourselves. And that's meeting them where they're at regardless of your own self-interest. That's what Jesus wants us to do as we seek friendship, and that's what he has, that's a hope for us. That is a prayer for, for me to you guys that we can be doing that as a body of believers. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for who you are and how you pursue us and how you've pursued friendship with us. Um, and as, as we look back at what you did on the cross, Jesus, of that you died for us that you died for all of our sins regardless of what we do, regardless of who we are, that you did that for everyone, regardless of whether um, we would see that. You still chose us. We, we don't choose you. 
And so, Lord, when we out of that character that you displayed for us, will we be selfless people? Will we seek to meet people where they are at and put our own self-interest aside? Um, yeah, and through that, would you just use us to um, bring light to dark places? Would you um, use us so people can experience your kingdom and who you are, Jesus? And so we love you. It's in Jesus' name uh, we pray. Amen.